Today, I want to talk about leadership, but not in the manner everybody might think we're going to go. Most of who you're hiring, it's all started at a home. All the junk that you deal with. And you bring home to the business. No matter what everybody thinks, you're bringing your home to business. So you have a happy home. You're going to be that much more of a productive employee. We are creating a culture of emotionalism where children are taught at a young age to not only feel their emotions, but follow their emotions. That's going to follow them into the workplace. So my question to you is how do we become better leaders, better parents of our families? There are a couple of things I'm very concerned about for families, but if I'm concerned about them for families, I'm concerned about them for the workplace in the future. Today, we're in excellent company with Suzanne Phillips from Beacon Parent. Okay, Miss Suzanne Phillips, give me a quick journey of your life. <laughs> Uh, I'll try to make it quick, but I, I came, um, when I graduated from college, I went into corporate America. I worked for a large retail company and you know, moved up the ranks very, very quickly. And one of the things that I, uh, I learned about myself in that is that I like sales. I like sales. I can sell. I'm not a great closer um, because I'm pretty, I'm pretty honest. The fact that I was growing in the company really was because I could train people. Hmm. So this company, uh, it was Talbot's. It was back in the heyday. It was growing very, very quickly. And I, I learned about myself that what, I, what motivated me was to know what someone else wanted to accomplish in their career and to help get them there. And so I was promoting people like crazy. Uh, did that for years. And then when I had children, I came home. I was used to being, um, you know, working long hours. I loved, I loved my career. And so I just started to dabble in things. And it wasn't until uh, my children were, you know, going into middle school, that age range, that I was introduced to the, the option and the, the possibility of starting a school, helping to start a school. I had invested a lot in the schools where my kids were, um, worked with leadership to the point that one of the schools actually put me on their organizational chart because they didn't know what to do with me because I was doing so much. And uh, that led me to a place where I was making some observations and I opened uh, a couple of schools that turned into training teachers, that turned into professional development, that turned into talking to parents all the time. And uh, have since led some ministries for parenting and um, have stepped into an arena to help parents understand what's going on in a culture and how to lead their families. So I'm sort of smiling because uh, that was a really fast summary. Anybody listen, man. So she's now in leadership. She's in development, consulting. And the privilege I want to give everybody today is to hear your vantage point yeah. about leading but not the traditional leading in the workplace, which is what I teach and I'm passionate about. I always say in the classroom, I think you would agree here, while I'm pouring into these leaders to help their subordinates and to help their salespeople be better performers, that there's this moment where they have to realize and get anchored that this is about impacting generations. That's exactly right. But you are going way deeper than me because you're not talking about leading your workforce. You're talking about leading your families. I mean, around the dinner table. That's right. I mean, could there be any more significant role in this world right now than being a leader of your families? And I just want to get straight to it. If you're listening and you could do anything, Suzanne, to share with them, what are you finding right now at that dinner table or maybe not finding? 
And I love the approach that you're taking. I'm so grateful that you would have me on because I have spoken and done some consulting in corporate America and, and with small businesses. And one of the things that really connects when I have the conversation is, listen, if you're in corporate America, you've had the advantage of learning some leadership skills. But those skills are skills and they're transferable. It doesn't matter where you're applying them. And so often I do a lot with identity statement for, for businesses, identity statement, vision, mission, and core values. And that connects with people that are in the workplace, but often they don't make the connection that those same principles happen at home. And so what is your vision for your family at home? What is the mission of your family at home? I do a lot of this from a biblical worldview, and I, I believe that God has a vision and mission for the family, and we just have to align with it. <laughs> but what are the values in your home? Because the values in your home create the culture of your home. And here's where it starts to connect is when you're in corporate American, you're hiring and firing people. Most of that, most of who you're hiring, it's all started at a home. All the junk that you deal with, I mean, HR out the wazoo. I mean, I have done the HR thing. But all of those um, issues that you're facing started in someone's heart that started in someone's home. And so if leaders in corporate America can, can do what they do well around their dinner table, we start to create a culture of leadership coming into the workplace as they come out of the home, as they come out of college. And so... There are a couple of things that um, are I'm very concerned about for families. But if I'm concerned about them for families, I'm concerned about them for the workplace in the future. It's sure. all the same. And I believe that uh, what is being perpetuated right now, there's so many things that are being perpetuated right now. But a couple of them that I think are going to hit the workforce hard, um, if they're not already, is we are a lot through our educational systems. We are creating a culture of emotionalism where, um, where children are being taught. Now, listen, I understand, you know, we need to value emotions. We, we've all been created with them, but there's a purpose for them. When children are, are taught at a young age to not only feel their emotions, but follow their emotions, that's going to follow them into the workplace. Mm. A lot of research that's been done about sort of next gen, gen millennials, but Gen Z, that one of their core beliefs um, is that they they are their own authority. Mm. Well, you mm. and I both know because we've we've been in the workplace. That doesn't translate. It doesn't translate well for the person you're hiring, but it doesn't translate well for the leadership that you have in place. Because what do you do with someone? who doesn't understand that they're not the author their own authority when they come into a workplace with the team or with leadership. So when you're training or allowing your children to be trained by someone that however they feel they should act on that feeling and that their feeling is the most important thing um, about their day or about who they are, it's we're, we're doing an unbelievable disservice to the next generation. So teach them to recognize their, their feelings. That's awesome. In fact, teach them to name their feelings because a lot of adults can't do that. But once you do it, once you have that, stop long enough to think about now what step or what action am I going to take because of this feeling or because of where it's coming from. But letting the feelings lead, that's a big deal. So help me out. Around the dinner, I'm, I keep saying around the dinner table because yeah. there's this great visual, right, that the family is a unit and we're talking and 
Man, you just made this like feelings, right? Feelings are fleeting. Feelings are in a moment. You know, if you let the feelings guide you, by the way, if I let the, no, I won't go there. But if I oh, let my feelings guide me as a young little girl, who knows where I'd be today? That's um, right. Help me understand, because from a leadership perspective, because I, if, I mean, I would say, you know, companies offer benefits, they offer all these HR elements to help bring value to them. Isn't this probably the most important thing you could do is to feed the families by feeding these parents first? Because I, you know, I'm a mom and, and, and my husband and I were around, we do get around the dinner table, not as often as I did as a kid, right? We didn't go out to eat because right. we couldn't afford it. Um, and we were always around the dinner table talking and learning and growing. Are the conversations in your mind happening today as the, with the parents leading their families like they were in the past? Well, I do think busyness, I mean, and that's, that's a consistent conversation. I've been on the other side of family interviews for schools. I've been on the other side of family coaching and, you, you know, Bible. I've been on the other side of a lot of families and busyness is absolutely an issue. And, you know, this Casey, like in, in a company, you don't just work in it, you work on it. Mm -hmm. If you don't, if you don't carve out time to work on your family and all you're doing is work, I mean, on your business and all you're doing is working in it. Uh, the uh, the urgent becomes, you know, what you right. focus on and the important gets left behind. It's the same thing in a family. And, and I do, I think that that's an, uh, it's an aha moment a lot when I speak, when I ask parents, are you working on your family? Do you have a vision? What are, what are you, what are you focusing around? And, and a lot of times busyness is the thing, like, we just don't have time. We just don't, so, well, you do, we all have the same amount of time. Right. But do you prioritize talking with your spouse or talking with yourself? Like, what are we going to be talking about at the dinner table? You know, you have to sort of plan the plan. And so that doesn't translate a lot of times. So I do think busyness keeps uh, parents away. And I have so much compassion for parents right now because knowing what to talk about mm. and what, you know, when did my parents talk to me about sex? I mean, they, barely did. And if they yeah. did, it was, you know, we were at least in middle school. If you're not having some of these significant conversations at a very young age and carving out time to do that, somebody else is going to have them for you. And parents don't know the pace of culture. They're trying to keep up with technology. There's so much to talk about. I, I'm not, it breaks my heart for parents. It's one of the reasons I'm focused in this area is because it's a lot it's a lot to think about. So how are you prioritizing? What is even going to be said or talked about at the dinner table? Well, um, as I, I, it's interesting because I just finished a leadership development program for an organization. And, you know, it, you just made the comment about time, right? People say they don't have the time and they do have the time. It's a matter of how you prioritize what you do with your time. This could not, could not be the biggest it is the big, it couldn't be a bigger priority than to how am I leading my children, my family, my spouse? How am I helping them be a, that break the generational curse, if you will, of being an absentee parent and, or, and by the way, just because you're around the dinner table doesn't mean you're a present parent either. That's right. Are you engaging them? So I've heard you speak before, man, everybody get a pen and paper out and I'm putting you on the spot, Suzanne, because I know you know this. I've heard you speak about how the culture is shaping our families 
And is, is there seven things that are shaping our they're family? Five. Or, well, they're five. Well, they're the culturally there's seven or eight, and then the heart for your kids there's five core. Can you places. can you sort of give and let everybody sort of listen in again? Write this down, everybody. Seven things that are I think it's seven. I remember seven yeah. that are shaping the family right now and our children specifically. There are shapers of culture and then culture shapes our children and Mm. those things overlap. And so when you start to think about how is a culture shaped and the reason I like to talk about this is because even at home we say, hey, more is caught than taught. So the culture you're around, the environment around what you're immersed in is shaping you. And so it's important, I think, as parents that we understand what's shaping the culture and then how is culture shaping our kids. They're two different things. Love that. So there, there's seven or eight different shapers of culture um, or spheres of influence. And the way I like to think of it is the way those seven or eight uh, spheres go, so goes culture. Okay. So it's, it's family is number one. Families, we are the we, the people. We are supposed to be shaping the culture that we live in. The second one would be religion. Uh, regardless of your religion, religion is supposed to be a shaper of culture. Business shapes culture. Um, Government shapes culture. And none of us are surprised about that right now. Arts and entertainment. Now think about that as far as the family, what your kids and who your kids are watching. Mm. Arts and entertainment, the movies and all that's a shaper of culture. Um, Media is a shaper of culture. And then one of the spheres that I, well, science shapes culture and that's that's revealing itself more and more and then the the one that i hang out in a lot is education and education shapes culture because it it shapes the next generation directly so as all of those different spheres are moving it's shaping the culture that our kids are growing up in and so we're if we're not aware of the fact that those things are directly impacting our or indirectly and directly impacting our kids um we're in trouble. And so I, I used to say when I would, you know, sort of give the sales presentation for the schools that we started for years, I would say to parents, listen, you've got to be a student of your student because not every student learns the same way in the same environment. Who are they? What are they passionate about? How do they learn? And Casey, about five years into giving that presentation, I literally heard myself say one night with no thought, Hey, same thing. You have to be a student of your student. And I got ready to keep going. And then I heard myself say, but if you're not a student of culture, you will never know your, your child fully. Mm. And it talked to me. I had not given it any thought. It fell out of my mouth. And as I sort of went back and thought, what in the world was that? I started to realize I was watching kids with phones and technology and parents didn't know what they were. They didn't know. And I thought there's no way they can really know their student if they don't know what their student or child, but in the context of education student, what they're doing with their time. And so understanding how that technology from an arts and entertainment standpoint, what's going on there is reaching back into their child and shaping them. It's pretty critical for parents. I think it's a motivator for parents to pay attention to what's going on culturally. Wow. Well, I'm looking at uh, as a child or as a parent, Arts and entertainment are having such a massive impact, but I don't know if all the parents even know what their kids are watching and looking at mm-hmm. and coaching, if you will, and to protect your heart, guard your heart, you know, where your mind goes, your, your heart, or where your heart goes, where your mind goes. If I'm a parent right now listening in or, and I'm going to uh, really, I, I have this, uh, you know, how passionate I am about you and what you're doing and 
how you can help businesses. When you're happy in the home, you're going to be happier in business, right? And you bring home to the business, no matter what everybody thinks, you're bringing your home to business. So you have a happy home, you're going to be that much more of a productive employee. So any business owners listening in right now, I'm telling you, y'all just need to get Suzanne as part of your benefit package, if you will. Anyway, Uh a whole different conversation there. But tell me about if a parent's listening in or and they could do, I hate to say one thing, Uh just one thing to help, or maybe I'll give you up to three things that they could do that would impact their families in a more positive light. Yeah, first is ask a lot of questions. And and obviously that's age appropriate. When your kids are little, I mean, you're you're putting information into them. But we we are parents are the primary and I believe God given the primary shaping agents of their children. We've been entrusted by I believe by God to care for our families. And so there's a there is a I mean, I, on the education front, for sure, maybe in other spheres, I, I kind of camp on parenting and, and education a lot. But when you start to um, understand and see some of the conversation that is challenging parental rights, we should be concerned as parents. That's not political. That's Are parenting. Are you seeing that right now? Absolutely. Do parents 100%. know it? Do parents know this is happening? Um, some are waking up to it. Um, there's so much, and I don't want to go down too many rabbit trails, but when you start to look at public-private partnerships with outside entities that are health centers being built on school property that are not school employees, they're separate, and children being sent from a school with a counselor or a nurse, not the school nurse, to, over to a facility to have counsel, to have emotional help, to get, I just got off the phone with a parent the other day whose child was, they found Zoloft in a Ziploc baggie in their backpack that had been given by a health clinic that was not related to the school. Wait a minute, are you suggesting, and I know you're only going to share this if you got a real knowledge on it, are you suggesting or saying that parents' rights are being... Um, uh, manipulated, if you will, or not having the right, and they're taking their children to a health clinic without telling the parent? No no consent is what I'm concerned about. There's not necessarily parental consent, or if a, a, a parent has in some shape, form, consented to someone outside of a school employee working with their children in a medical you know, conversation, there was something that they signed that they weren't sure of that they didn't know they were signing. And so we have to be so critical to understand our rights as parents and to take responsibility for our rights as parents. And in a lot of cases, and we're seeing this across the country, people in authority telling your child that your parents can't be trusted, that your parents, you know, don't understand the world you live in. And so I'm a safer place than your parents. That is 100% happening. I get information every day from across the country all day long. Do most people think it's not happening in their school? I would say this, that it's not happening in every classroom. It's not necessarily happening with every principal, but it is happening in every district. And it could be a one-off. It It doesn't mean that everybody, but we have to be aware as parents of what our rights are, and we have to take responsibility for our rights and not abdicate the role of parenting to a school 
or to a youth pastor or to a coach. So if this is a leadership conversation and we're suggesting right now, you've got to lead your families with intentionality. Mm -hmm. Don't be the, I'm going to be really frank, right? I'm a parent and I didn't get taught how to be a parent. I'm figuring it out as I go, right? But this is, it's even more dangerous than it's ever been if you are not being purposeful and intentional in leading your family. And so my question to you is, how do we, how do we become better leaders, better parents of our families? And the first one you said is ask lots of questions. Yeah. Ask lots of questions. Know your kid, know what's on their heart. Don't make assumptions. You know, ask a lot of, tell me a little bit more about that. You know, why does that bother you? You want a parent by definition. I love this definition. A parent, if you go back to the original definition of parent, it means this to bring forth. Mm. So our job is to bring forth this little person that's been created. Who is this person to, to bring out who they are over the Mm. course of time. And part of doing that is bringing out what they're thinking, bringing out what they're feeling, bringing out what they're passionate about, bringing out what they're angry about and being able to guide and direct. But you bring information out by asking questions and, and making comments like, tell me more. Or that's so interesting. Where where did where did where did that idea come from? Or how do you feel about what so and so said? So yeah. being intentional about pulling information out and not always putting information in is huge. You just said the three words that I love because um, if any parents are listening in and you ask your child how was your day at school and they go good, right? You get the one word answers. Um, tell me more. Tell me tell more. me more. And parents, uh, I love that definition to bring forth. Tell me more. Tell me more yeah. about your day. Tell me more. And it opens it up where they can have a great dialogue and you can listen and hear. Okay, so um, asking lots of questions, getting curious, getting them to uh, speak and share. All right, what's number two? Number two, I think, would be, um, I like to say it this way. I, I like parents to think about parenting with purpose, mm. discipling with a direction, mm. and leaving an intentional legacy. Intentional being, you know, the key word there. This is also, I love words. I love, I love to get down to what does this actually mean? And the word legacy, most people think it means like what we leave behind when we're gone. But by definition, legacy means to send forward. Mm. And so I like to tell parents, listen, you are leaving a legacy every minute of every day. You're making a mark. You're going to be remembered, right? So what you leave behind is what you're sending forward. Mm. So what are you leaving behind? And when you start to think about legacy, and then you take it a step further and you say, no, I'm going to leave an intentional legacy. By definition, the root of the word of intention or intend is to stretch or to strain. It is something that we're going to, we're going to, it actually, even one of the definitions in that means to make intense. And you know, If there's something that you're trying to shape or form in your family or in your child and they're resisting because they're human, (laughs) right? Especially in encouraging right? Um, I have to be willing to make it intense, not force, but make it intense by standing firm. Like this is who we are and this is the direction we're going. And I think you do that by having a vision. What Mm. do I want to see in 20 or 30 years for my family? Same as in a business. What do I want to see in 20 or 30 years? If I want that vision to come forward, what core values are we going to practice? Not 48 of them, five or six. What core values? Who are we? And I'm going to, I'm going to press forward and stretch forward 
to hold the line to bring forth the legacy that I want to leave behind. You know, I heard recently, uh, Suzanne, somebody said, I'm not raising a child, I'm raising an adult. And I went, wait a minute, I'm raising them to become an adult. That is the contributing and healthy and beautiful uh, child of God. And my position, uh, I created a, a family mission statement when we first started. I had a couple mission statements, my husband and I, then we became a family. And you are real passionate about it. And I just want to affirm you that it is a powerful uh, exercise to be a parent on purpose. Powerful exercise. Uh, let's see, can we do number three? Like, what's the third thing you'd recommend? And that was a, that was a lot. I, I'm sure everybody's taking copious notes and will we'll want to listen to this again. Uh, what do you think the third thing is? I think the third thing is to truly understand how your child is shaped as a human. So we know how culture is shaped and, you know, we need to be aware and certainly technology. How, how is all this impacting my, my family and my child? But also understanding how your child is shaped, because um, I believe a lot mm. of what's happening culture, culturally is not just an attack on their thinking or their ideas, it's an attack on their soul. And um, so I'll, I'll just give a couple of examples. Um, you know, every child is asking, all of us as humans are asking, you know, um, are, we need security. And so we ask the question, who can I trust? You want to be trustworthy. Mm. And being trustworthy at home um, means being consistent. Go for a lead. The easiest definition for, for a leader, in my opinion, is just this. Go first. <laughs> so you want to be the first person your child trusts. And that means what you're asking of them, you do it first. So if you're yeah. asking them to be honest, you have to be honest. I'm having a bad day. I didn't treat. That was not the best way to treat you or treat that situation. We have to be vulnerable uh, with our kids, but go first, build a trustworthy relationship with them because everything else will hinge on that. Mm, and um, that's so what leadership is in business, by the way, right? Build trust. But I loved one thing you just said, because everybody wants to be one and done but be consistent with it. Be consistent. Be consistent. Okay. And I love the vulnerability statement because I don't think as parents, we ever want to show our children that we are imperfect, but that imperfection allows them to be as well. Absolutely. 100%. So, and I love that go first. I really hope my children, when they immediately have a problem, think who can I trust? And they mm -hmm. think mama. I'll say daddy, but we'll say mama right now. Yes. yes. Okay. And, you know, I've heard you talk about that before about, um, and anyway, I'll let you finish because, uh, goodness, you and I could talk for about 14 hours. Yes. Pair, and I'll, I'll sum up in just a minute. Anyway, all right. What else about on how your well, child? Well, I think the, the, the shaping your child. So so security is their, their primary need, um, a place to trust, a place that's safe, right? We've got a culture that is telling children a lot of times in the classroom, this is your safe place. Mm -hmm. So you want to establish this is your safe place. And if anybody ever tells you that I'm not safe for you, that means they're not safe. Like mm -hmm. just establish where is safety. The second one is identity. So I love talking to families about an identity statement. But as a child, they are asking the question, and rightly so, because all humans do, you know, who am I? And that is a progressive investigation. And so there are, there are times that preteen age when they start to pull away from you, they're trying to figure out who, who am I is age appropriate, developmentally appropriate. Who am I outside of my family? And who am I in my family? And do those things match? And Or am I going to be like my friends? So helping to establish an identity statement in your family, this is who we are. 
and therefore these are the things that we do it has it gives them a place to to belong and that would be my third one um there are others but i will end with this one on the shaping from a shaping standpoint our kids children have a huge need to belong and the anxiety the the suicide the depression that we're seeing most of that right now we're that's coming out of a sense of belonging or not feeling like they belong because there's so much confusion the transgender um, ideology and agenda that's unfolding rampantly in um, in our schools if you go to someone who has transitioned and is detransitioning almost well I won't say 100% a very high percentage will say that came out of finding a group of people that I belonged with. And mm-hmm. then I went for the ideology. I followed their ways. And so it's so critical for a family. Belonging answers the question, who wants me? Who wants me? Who wants me? So it's very, I, I, I give this example a lot, very important for you not to just say, I love you and I like you, but I want to be around you. I love being with you. I, I want to be a part of your life. I want you. That's a that's a huge mm. conversation. Chills around the dinner table. So the example I like to give on that is this: If there's a dad who's going to run errands and he says, "Hey, I'm going to run errands, so come with me or let's hang out," that's a very different sentence if you flip it and saying, "Hey, I want to be with you and I have some errands to run. Would you come with me? I want to hang out with you." Just oh. that little tweak that says, "I want to be with you." I'm inviting you, not because I have something to do, but because I want to be with you. It speaks volumes. And so if we can just do those little tweaks of, you can trust me. This is your, this will always be your safe place. You are who God made you to be no more, no less, but you're a part of this family and this is who we are. And I want to be with you. I'm so glad you were chosen to be a part of this family, massively impactful in shaping your children's hearts. Okay. You're going to make me cry because I'm reflecting um, okay, I'm going to, we'll end with this. I'll tell a quick story and see if you, because you just prompted this moment for me. Um, anybody that's in the business world and we're challenged with these phones and the, you know, having to do work and family at the same time. And now in the same house, quite often, if you're working from home, right. Is, um, I was raising my nephews, as you know, for a period of time and I never will forget. And <clears throat> I pulled into the driveway. I was on my cell phone. I backed the car in. And his name was Sam. Little Sam comes running out. He's so excited I'm home. And he might have been maybe eight years old at the time, six or eight years old. And as he comes running in, uh, again, I'm on my phone. And he's knocking. I've parked. And I'm still on the phone. He comes knocking on the window, right? And I'm like, shh, I'm on the phone. And I could see his little Mm -hmm. face. Because what I just said to him is... You're not important. They are. And I watched him walk away and I still tear up to this day to go. It's not what I said. It's what I, I mean, it's what I said and did in that moment that said, you don't belong. You're not important. Mm -hmm. And, um, by the way, so I made a commitment to myself after that day because I could just see and feel that anxiety. And here he had already been, had gone through a very tough time with his mother. And again, it was our nephews, my husband and I were raising um, I made a decision. I would never be on the phone 
mm. when I pulled in my driveway. So I'll, I'll go around the neighborhood a bunch, finish the call. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying I did more. I didn't. You know, <laughs> then I pull in the driveway and be fully present to say, I can't wait to be with you. And man, just that little tip you just said. I'm going to use that this weekend with my teenage girls. Mama wants to be with you, and I have a few errands, so will you do it with me? What a difference that would make versus, hey, do you want to come with me to run errands, right? Just the, uh, just, just a tweak, a small tweak. Suzanne, um, how can be? Uh, listen, I know you've got a podcast. You have, uh, you, you want to say, how can people get a hold of you? And any, any executive listening in and anybody, mm-hmm. if you work for someone, tell them that Suzanne's got to be part of the benefit package mm-hmm. where you, she has, you have parenting courses, right? I do. So anyway, will you tell everybody how you can help and how they can follow you? Sure. Um, you can follow me. I have a couple of websites. Um, Beacon Parent is one of the websites, and I'm on social media. If you if you really want to hear what's going on culturally, um, that's impacting, give you information. What you do with it is what you do with it. But Beacon Parent would be a great place to follow. And then SusannePhillips.net is where I do a lot of just the parenting. I've just launched a course um, called Charting Your Family's Future to help you, and you can do it on your own time. Um, but it helps you have an identity statement, vision, mission, core values for your family. Kind of walks through that process. And I speak a ton on that um, and leading your leading your children. And then I guess the other, the, the podcast is called The Informed Parent. And oh. that's media. And that I am just bringing experts in from all over the culture about what's going on um, in the realm. A lot of education, but not, not only. I'm about to do Tim Elmore. And that's leadership. And the next gen and how to connect. So the informed parent is a great resource um, for just learning information. And then I think I, we haven't talked about this a lot, but um, Suzanne at SuzannePhillips.net. You can email me. My husband and I have a career in college planning company, and we work with companies to help provide that or individual parents um, to help kids get ahead on their vision and mission and then to help them get in and out of college in four years. Should that be what their path is? It's not for everybody. So on the college, do you help in like selecting which college would be ideal for them and it's, give them counsel? We call it a my fit. It's, you know, you have to know so much going into it about what actually the right fit is. We have so many people that say, we want to be nurses and we want to go to Georgia. Well, Georgia doesn't have a nursing school, so that's not the best fit for you. Um, so it's a it's a very extensive and comprehensive service um, that's very affordable, and um, we have about a ninety seven percent rate of getting kids into one of their top two right fit choices of college over the past um, over a decade. Wow. So that's something that we can you know sort of help in terms of benefits when you when you bring that up. I help a company maybe connect parents with that to help get their kids on the path very early with some mm-hmm. vision and mission, um, but also scholarships. So that helps too. That does help, does help. Well, you know how I feel about you and anyone listening in, she has poured into my life and has made a difference and continues to remind me of what it takes to be a great leader and a great parent in my own home. So uh, God bless you. Thank you for your time today. And Thank I you. think I got to have you back. So um, there's some examples of parenting and how a child is shaped where you can really go for deeper and maybe I'll yeah. be back if you'll do that for me. I'd love it. I'd love All it. Right. I love you, girl. Thank you so Bye. much for your time today. Everybody, Bye. I hope you enjoyed your time with Suzanne Phillips, amazing human being that can help you in shaping your family.